Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, I am excited to be here this morning and I find it um, a privilege and an honor to share with you this morning. And I want you to know that um, I want an encounter with Jesus, just as much as anybody else wants an encounter with Jesus. I, myself, want an encounter with Jesus. So this message this morning is as much for me as it might be for you. And some people might look at me and think, yeah, but Liza, you know, you get up and do prayer on a Sunday. You must be sitting on a mountaintop fasting and praying every day. Can I tell you, I'm just a mom and a wife who's trying to figure out a new way to cook chicken every week, right? I'm just a mom and a wife who has, like if you went to my house right now, my dining room table is covered with things that I need to take care of. Because nobody else is gonna take care of it unless I do. So I'm just an ordinary person who who wants an encounter with Jesus, but I also am an ordinary person who says, Jesus, do what you want in my life and move in my life, and I am a willing vessel to do that. And so this morning, it's an honor to be here and to share with you. So we're going to continue the series of encounters with Jesus. But have you ever had an encounter with someone or something, and it changed you? It changed the way you acted, maybe the way you responded or your perspective. Well, many of you know that we lived in a very small town for a very long time. (laughs) Too long of a time. But we lived in a small town. And the reason I tell you this is because this small town didn't have amenities in it. Like we had a little grocery store. We had a gas station. We had a Dollarama. But if I wanted anything or I wanted to do anything, I had to drive to the city. That's what we called it. We drove to the city. And the city was about an hour away from me to go, and I would do this if I wanted to do something. So this one particular day, it was my day to go to the city, and I was scheduled to get my hair done. So for those of you who don't know what that is, men, we women pay money so that we can have our hair the color that we want. So this particular day, I had a scheduled appointment that I saw my stylist week, um, I guess month after month, not every month. I didn't go every month, Chris. Um, But quite frequently, I would go and I would pay to get the hair color that I wanted. So this particular day, I had seen this stylist multiple times, but I was sitting in her chair and he put the, she put the foils in and everything, and everything was going really, really good. And we were chatting and I know her, I know all about her family, and I was asking all the questions and it came to the time for her to pull the foils out of my hair because they put these foils with bleach and all kinds of stuff. And you ladies in the room, you know where I'm going. I think you might know where I'm going. But when she started to pull the foils out, she pulled the front foil out and usually just the foil comes out and there's hair dye. But this particular time, she pulled the foil out of my hair and with it came all my front hair. Like all my front hair was gone. (laughs) Jen only says that because she hates that I have really good hair and she doesn't. (laughs) 
and she looks for every opportunity when I don't have a good hair day. <laughs> but my hair came out, and the, the look on her face was of shock. The look on my face was of horror. And she washed it, and we're trying to fix it, but there was, no, there was definitely no hair in the front region of my head. And so I was crying, she was crying, the other ladies in the salon were crying, the lady in the chair next to me was trying to console me, we were all crying because if you've ever had your hair fall out in that way, you'll understand the, the, the horror I was going through. And so I paid my bill and I, I just was like, I, I know I paid it, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I did. I paid and I, I, I like left the store because I had, I just thought, I had two thoughts. I had two thoughts as I left the salon that day with no hair in the front region. I had two thoughts. If I could just get home and I could wash my hair myself, I could probably style it because maybe just the way she styled it, maybe it's not so bad. And the second thought I have is that we serve a, a God of miracles. And I'm sure if he could raise someone from the dead, he can grow my hair back by the time I drive home the hour and I get home. So I jump in my van and I start driving and I get on the, the highway and I am just crying and I, I called home and I'm like not making any sense because I'm just a babbling mess and I'm driving down the highway and all of a sudden in my rearview mirror, I see these lights just flashing. <laughs> Can my day get any worse? And so I pulled over the side of the road and I'm just crying. And the police officer comes to the window and he says to me, ma'am, why are you driving so fast? And I said to him, because I'm ugly. <laughs> and I tried to explain to him what was going on and he took my license and registration. And he went back to his car and I thought, for sure, for sure, this warrants a freebie. I mean, my hair has just fallen out. And he comes to my car and he hands me a ticket. And he tells me to drive slower and that my hair wasn't so bad. And I looked at the ticket and it was $260. So I've just paid a little bit of money to get my hair done. I just got a $260 ticket, so now I'm totally upset because I am draining my bank account and I have no front hair. And so I get in my car and I start driving because I still have to get home. It's an hour drive. I've only been driving for 15 minutes. So I get in the car and I start driving and I'm driving and driving. And I wish that I could tell you that I successfully got home. But I looked at my rearview mirror <laughs> and there were flashing lights. <laughs> I got pulled over for a second time. And so the second time a woman gets out of the car and I thought for sure, for sure I've got this because she's gonna understand. And she comes to the window and asks, why are you driving so fast? And I tell her because my hair fell out and I was at the salon and listen, I just got a ticket. She goes, I know you did. And, so, and, and she gets my license and registration and she goes back to her car. And I think for sure, for sure I'm gonna get a freebie. She comes to my window, she hands me a piece of paper for $260, $290. And she told me to slow down. And so I get in my car and I drive the rest of the way home. I drive slower. <laughs> I drive the speed limit because now I, I know that there's no money in my bank account. <laughs> 
My day has been a very expensive day to the city. This is probably the most expensive day to the city that I've ever had. And I get home, and of course, my family's all there to console me and tell me it's not so bad, but it was very bad. It was very bad, and that's a whole other story, but it was a very, very expensive day for me. But can I tell you that that encounter with, it took two police officers for me. Some it might take one, but it took two to change the way that I drive. It changed and what happened, and it changed the way that I am when I get behind the wheel. I don't get behind the wheel if I'm emotional. I let someone else drive. And I'm aware of the other drivers on me, around me. But my encounter came with a big price, a very, very big price. So we're going to look at an encounter this morning found in the book of Luke. Luke's gospel was written about people who encountered Jesus. He gives story after story and encounter after encounter of people who meet Jesus and their lives were transformed. I wonder if he included these stories so that you and so that I would not only be reminded of the encounters with Jesus, but recognize that we too can have an encounter with Jesus. Because listen, it should be our goal. It should be our goal, um, not just hearing about the experience that other people have had. Our hearts should hunger for more than just a knowledge of who Jesus is. Because I want to come to a place in my relationship where Jesus is more than just a story. I want to come to a place where I see him with my own eyes. And that I hear him I hear his voice with my own ears. And that the same God, the same God who divided the Red Sea in the Old Testament and the same God who raised Lazarus from the dead in the New Testament, that same God, I don't want to just hear about it and celebrate it. I want to experience it for myself. I want to know him for myself because we've wasted our time if we just come here to applaud what Jesus did yesterday. I'm so glad what he did yesterday, but I'm glad that we can have the same encounter today. All of us can have that same encounter because I want to see him in my own marriage. I want to see him in my family. I want to see him in my finances, in my job, and in my ministry. And can I say that sometimes... The encounter does not come in the package that we thought it would or should or the way we expected it. And sometimes we want his ways to match our ways and his thoughts to match our thoughts. We want God to answer our prayers the way we prayed them. We want the solution that we worked out in our mind. We figured it all out and we want God to go with that way. Church, sometimes we pray for growth and God gives us rain. And sometimes we pray for a harvest, but God gives us a seed. So sometimes the encounter is not going to come the way we thought it would. So when the answer comes for your marriage or comes for your parenting, 
your job or in your finances, whatever the struggle is you're facing, and if the answer doesn't come the way that you expected it or the way that you wanted it, will you miss it? Because we're gonna look at an encounter that a young girl had and it didn't happen the way that she thought it would or the way that she may have expected it. But she was able to experience and see Jesus even though it wasn't the way she had thought it would be or the way she planned. And it's a very well-known story. Most of you probably know it. It's, a, it's found in the book of Luke and it's about Mary, a young teenage girl. And usually we hear this story about Mary at Christmas time. And I, I have to be real, I, that's probably the only time I ever read the story of Mary. But can I tell you that it is more, it is part of the Christmas story, yes. But it's so much more. Because Mary is about to have an encounter with Jesus. So we're going to start in the book of Luke, verse 1, starting in verse 26. And it says... In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So here we are introduced to a young girl who has an angelic visitation, being told she's about to give birth to the Messiah. She has an encounter with Jesus. She's just an ordinary teenage girl who's probably thinking about her upcoming marriage, thinking about her fiance, Joseph, thinking about how, um, like, how am I gonna do this? I'm gonna be a new wife. Like, she wasn't thinking about conceiving the Lord Jesus. <laughs> She was probably thinking about her future, but God chose her for a divine assignment. And now Mary does question the situation, but she quickly accepts what is being asked of her. From Mary's response, I believe she was a woman after God's, a woman with a heart after God. She was highly favored, a young woman that was aware of the things of God, not shocked. When, Jesus, when God showed up to give her this assignment. 
I love that God uses just ordinary people. He'll use you and he'll use me, but he's looking for someone with a willing heart. And he found that in Mary. But here's the thing I want you to see from that text that I just read. It's the one characteristics of Mary's life that I believe opened up her eyes to catch sight of God and will open up our eyes to catch sight of God. And it's found in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, here it is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. How can all of this, what you're saying, happen to me? Like, it's impossible. This can't happen. And the angel says, it will happen because the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You see, Mary was able to receive and catch sight of what God was doing because God's Spirit came upon her. If we want to encounter Jesus, if we want access to the Father, we need the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 2.18 says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because what Christ has done with, for us. The Holy Spirit is the greatest gift you will ever receive this side of heaven. And the moment that you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, I don't know if you know this, but you received in, the mom in that moment the greatest gift you'll ever receive. And here's the exciting part. All the fullness, all the power, all the authority, all the greatness of God is in the person of the Holy Spirit. Which means when you place faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit takes up re residence in you, that means that all the fullness, all of the power, all of the authority, all of the glory, all of the greatness of God now lives inside of you. And that's worth celebrating. Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians says, the moment you believed, you received the Holy Spirit with promise. You're not waiting for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit right now is inside of you. But now we need to be filled with God's Spirit as we yield to his convictions. That means that we are molded into the image of Jesus so that we start to think like him, talk like him, walk like him, behave like Jesus. A benefit of having God's spirit in you is that all the fruit of the Holy Spirit is available to you. That means that there is patience, patience that you don't have on your own. You know, for that person or that problem, now you're able to have it beyond your own natural ability. So when we've come to the end of our patience, you know, for that one person that if they say one more thing to you, when we've come to the end of our patience, the Holy Spirit comes in and gives us patience when our patience has long run out. Gives you self-discipline so you have discipline in areas where you know if you're left to yourself, 
Your natural desires would not have the discipline. In the area of morality, you wouldn't have discipline. But now, because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you can live beyond your natural capacity. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of us, we have the privilege of having relationship with Jesus, having communion with him. He helps us to understand his word, and he develops character in us. And that's all because the Holy Spirit is inside of us. God gave himself in the person of the Holy Spirit so that you and so that I would know what it's like to walk with him, to talk with him, to have friendship with him and have an ongoing relationship. That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit. But the angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will come on you. You see, there's a difference between the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit being in you and the Holy Spirit being on you. And I want to live a life with the presence of God, God's Spirit on me. I know that he's in me, but I want him on me. I want my life to be a magnet that calls down the grace, the favor, the anointing, the presence of God upon my life. I don't want him just in me. I want him on my life. I want the evidence of him in my life. I want it so that when I do something or say something or participate in something or I pray over something, I want it to be that when I walk away, people don't just say, Liza was here. They say, no, God's presence was here. And that only happens when the Holy Spirit is on us. We need to desire and ask for God's Spirit to be on us. And there's an action on our part. We need to ask for it. Many of you know I have four kids, Caleb, Tori, Austin, and Hannah. And when I had Caleb, um, he was pretty perfect baby. He slept through the night. He did everything that babies are supposed to do. He let me, at about two weeks old, he was sleeping through the night. And I thought this was great. Um, as he got a little older, he talks a lot, but that was probably his only flaw at that point. And, and then I had Tori. And she was practically perfect in every way. She was the kind of kid who used to just put herself to bed. It was wonderful. And so, at, and then I got pregnant with my third child. And at this point in my parenting, I thought I had this parenting thing down. I thought, I know how to do motherhood. This is a piece of cake. And then... The Lord gave me Austin. And everything I knew about raising children, I realized I didn't know anything. He challenged me at every turn. He cried from the moment he came out of the womb and he never stopped. It didn't matter what we did, he just would cry. He hit the terrible twos at about 18 months. And he just, it, if I told him not to do something, he just did it. And he thought of creative ways to do things that I thought, how could he think to do that? And if I wasn't specific, he would just, like there was, 
Um, one time he would went outside and he like pulled, he was, he was our neighbor. She had these tulips, you know, tulips only come for a little short season. And he popped all the heads off of her tulips. And I said, Austin, you can't pop the heads off the tulips. You got to leave the flowers in the ground. So then he went to the tree and he pulled off all the leaves off of her tree. And I'm like, Austin, you can't pull the leaves. Like, I mean, I was just exhausted. So we had to make a rule that if it grows out of the ground, you can't touch it. <laughs> but he challenged my parenting skills at every age. And I read every book there was on strong-willed children. I watched every DVD. I don't know if you guys know like DVDs. You remember those? I watched every DVD on parenting. There wasn't really YouTube at the time, so I didn't have a lot of resources. And then there was an older lady in the church who had walked several steps ahead of me in her parenting. And she saw the struggle I was having. She saw, she must have saw it on my face because I was wearing it. But one day she asked me this question. She said, Liza, have you invited the Holy Spirit into your parenting? At first I was a little bit upset. <laughs> because I thought, you don't know what it's like to raise an Austin. <laughs> But I remember taking that question that she asked me, and it challenged me, but it also changed me. Because I remember going home and praying for wisdom, how to parent this child. I remember praying, praying for patience and gentleness when dealing with a defiant child who would just say no and asking for the Holy Spirit to equip me to raise these kids that God had given me in a way that would impact them, but in a way that more than anything I wanted so that my kids would come to know Jesus and serve Jesus and come to a place where they'd have a personal relationship with God. I prayed for the Holy Spirit to guide me as my kids became teenagers Listen, if you got teenagers, you need the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, to tell you when they're doing something that you know they shouldn't be doing, you need the Holy Spirit's guidance because he will tell you when your kids are out of line or when they're doing something. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen, we need to parent our kids in such a way that we leave an imprint of God on those kids. And the Spirit, Holy Spirit can't just be in you. It needs to be on you. We need the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. If you want to be the spouse that God's called you to be, if you want to be the kind of single person that God's called you to be, the kind of employer or employee that God has called you to be, if you want to walk in purpose the way God has called you to, then we need to pray for the Holy Spirit to be on us. Can I tell you why I'm so passionate about the Holy Spirit? I know you guys see me get up here on a Sunday and I pray and I pray for the Holy Spirit to come and I challenge you. But I'm passionate about it because I have seen the power of the Holy Spirit in my family's life. I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in my family's life. Now I have permission to share this just so you're all... But... Um, I have seen the Holy Spirit in my son Caleb's life. Because there was a time 
when the world looked exciting to him. The world looked fun and exciting, and what everyone else was doing, he wanted to be a part of. Although he grew up in the church, he knew all that stuff, he knew all the teaching, but the world was grabbing hold of him. And I said, not this, not your devil, you're not having my kid. You're not getting my kid. Because I saw my son heading down a road of destruction, but this praying mama said, uh-uh, it's not happening. And I started to pray, and not little prayers. I started to pray big prayers for the Holy Spirit to grab hold of him and for the Holy Spirit to be all over him. There were nights, we talk about this now, but there were nights he was headed out the door and I knew exactly where he was going and I knew exactly what he was about to do. He didn't fool me at all. And I'd look at him and I would say to him, I want you to know that while you're out tonight, I'm going to be right here praying for you. I'm going to be right here praying for you that the Holy Spirit gets hold of you. I'm going to be right here praying that you don't even have fun tonight. I'm going to be right here praying. I'm going to be right here praying that you hate the taste of alcohol. That's what I'm going to be doing right here while you're out. So have a great night. And can I tell you, I watched the Holy Spirit get a hold of that kid's life. And I saw a change that happened in him. And it, it wasn't anything I did. It wasn't my parenting skills. It was because the Holy Spirit got all over him and started to convict him of the things he was doing and showing him the things that he was involved in that I shouldn't be. And he'd be out with his friends and he'd be feeling, I don't want to really be here anymore. That was the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I've seen the Holy Spirit restore my marriage when we went through such a difficult, painful season when I would look at the man sitting across from me and wondered, I don't know if I actually love this man right now because of all the pain and the hurt I was feeling. But I have seen the Holy Spirit restore my marriage. And that's because the Holy Spirit was on me. Wherever you find yourself today, can I tell you the Holy Spirit is available to you to help, to lead, to guide you, to comfort you. We need to be marked by the presence of God. So when people encounter us, there's just something unusual about us. There's something different. When they look at us, they're like, there's just something different about your life. So when the employer is looking to give the, in, the promotion, it's not that your resume says that you're the most qualified candidate, but there's something about you that I just can't put my finger on. That's called the, the Spirit of God being on you. It's called favor. Favor is what Mary had on her life. Favor is what opens doors that no man can shut. Favor is what puts you in places that you know you have no business being. Favor is what sets you in positions that you know you're not qualified for. It's favor that makes it so that you're exactly where you're supposed to be to accomplish exactly what God has set for you. It's what qualifies you when you don't have the degree or the diploma. You don't have the connections. You're just where God has opened a door for you to be. And people might talk badly of you or try to push you out, but you cannot be moved, not because you've made your way there, 
but because God's spirit has placed you there. And can I tell you, there is one thing that attracts the presence of God to rest on our lives, and it's called holiness. Plain old, old school holiness, the kind our grandparents talked about. 1 Peter 1.15 says, But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you to be holy. Be ye holy. You see, we can come into this room and we can celebrate and we can read the scriptures and we can worship. But if we walk out of here and we live in a way that does not line up with the word of God, if we do not choose to walk in a way that honors God, we've wasted our time. The Apostle Paul says, righteousness is your breastplate. You see, the Roman army used to wear armor and they had lots of pieces of armor but the breastplate would have been one of the most critical pieces of armor that they wore. The reason why is because it protected the most vital organ they had. It was their heart. It protected their heart. You see, because the heart is our, um, is our lifeline for our physical well-being. It's where all the blood flow, the vitality, the energy that you need to function comes from your physical heart. And what your physical heart is to your physical life, your spiritual heart is to your spiritual life. All the vitality, all the energy, all that you need to be who God created you to be so that in your prayer life, you can follow him with passion and fire. Or when you read the Bible, it's not just words on a page, but you can hear his voice speaking to you. That you have clear reception between you and the Holy Spirit. You need a vital spiritual heart. You see, if I was your enemy, more than anything else, I'd go after your heart. Because one shot to the heart could take you out. You see, your spiritual heart is comprised of four things. There's your mind, the way that you think. Your emotions, the way that you feel your ambition, what you purpose to do, and your conscience. Your conscience is what the Holy Spirit uses to help you hear the voice of God. So if I were your enemy, I'd go after your heart. Because if I could get to your heart, that mean I have automatic access to your mind. Then I could start tinkering with the way that you're thinking or to your emotions. I could start messing with the way that you feel so that it's out of alignment with God's truth. Or about, I could mess with your ambition so that where you want, what you want to do is totally out of alignment with what God wants you to do. And then more than anything else, a shot to your heart so that I could short circuit those wires between you and the Holy Spirit. And now you can't even hear the voice of God. All because you didn't have your breastplate on. Paul says righteousness or holiness is your breastplate. Because holiness, it blocks you from a full frontal attack of the enemy. 
Holiness keeps the enemy at bay to where when he comes for people that he can interfere with their life, he can't get to you or he can't get to me because we've chosen a life where we align ourselves with the truth of God because we have our breastplates on in place. So it's securing us from the, any scheme that the enemy might have. We need to walk in holiness. Can I tell you, there's no relationship that it is out of alignment with the truth of God that the Holy Spirit himself won't help you sever so that you can walk in holiness. There's no lifestyle you are living that if you're too wound up in that you can't break free of so you can walk in holiness. There's no way that you've been speaking, no addiction that you have, no habit in your life that the Holy Spirit won't empower you to break free from. Be ye holy. You have to decide, I have to decide. Decide that I'm not gonna be politically correct, but I will choose to be holy. I may not be the person everyone likes, but I will be holy. I might not be the most impressive person out there, but I will be holy. And if there's one thing that breaks my heart for this generation, it's the social media has made it so that we are a generation more interested in impressing people than walking in holiness. We've got more interested in being perfectly lit for a selfie than we are in making sure that we're laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven. We're more interested in receiving the applause of people than we are making sure that we're receiving the applause of heaven. Because a day is coming, and it's coming soon, where we are going to have to look at our Savior in the face. We're going to see him face to face. And when we see him, he's not going to ask us how many Instagram followers we had. He's not going to ask us how many teams we served in at church, how many Bible studies we attended. He'll ask, did you have a relationship with my son Jesus? And then I'll give an account. You will give an account. And I don't know about you, but when I give an account... I'm looking for a well done. Well done. I'm looking for a you did it. You did all the things I asked you to do. That's what I'm looking for. Not because I please people, but because he is pleased with me. And the one thing that invites the favor of God on our lives like it did Mary that will open our eyes to see when he comes into our circumstances, trying to speak to us, to answer us, to make himself known in our lives. The one thing that opens up our eyes is God's spirit on us. And if you want, if we want God's spirit on us, then we need to decide to live holy. Hebrews 12, one says, we need to lay aside every sin every hindrance, everything that is keeping you entangled so that you can run with endurance the race that is set before you. 
any relationship, any addiction, any habit, any lifestyle choice that is keeping you from being free and walking in victory in Jesus' name, we need to let it go by the power of the Holy Spirit so that he can rest on our lives. Because going to church, it's good, but it's not enough. Daily devotions, oh, that's great, but it's not enough. If you want God's presence on you, marking you, making you distinct and different from everyone around you, then we need to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. It's not a call to perfection. We don't have to be perfect, but we do need to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit in you so that you don't give in to the desires of your flesh. Yes, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. It means choosing to give up a lifestyle, an attitude, or an action that you already know is not pleasing to God. Every time you participate in it, you know you shouldn't be. Far too often, I think we schedule sin into our lives. Some already have on their calendars, after this is over, a place you're going or a person you see, you're going to see that you know you don't have any business being or being with. I'm saying, walk away from everything that is keeping you from having the most amazing blessing you'll have in your life, and that is God's presence on you. I'm going to invite the worship team up. If you are in chains in any area of your life where you've tried to walk away, you've tried in your own strength, in your own power, maybe a relationship that you know is not right, a lifestyle you know is out of alignment with the truth of God, an area of your life you know you're not walking in holiness, whether in attitude or in action, and can I tell you, when I said at the beginning, this is a message for me as, as much as you, because as I was preparing, the Holy Spirit convicted me of areas where I was not walking in holiness, areas where I had allowed the enemy to come in, little things, just little things, but I wasn't walking in holiness. Because I think we all have things in our lives that we need to deal with. I mean, God might be asking you to forgive someone for a person, but you've dug your heels in and you said, no, I'm not forgiving. They don't deserve it. And you've refused to forgive. Or maybe your actions where you were literally doing something or participating in something or engaging in something and you were ignoring the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling you, walk away, don't do that. I believe those chains can follow all of us this morning, that we can decide, I will live holy so that we can invite the favor of God on our lives, so that the Holy Spirit will be on you, and so that we can have an encounter with Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning? If you know holiness is what God is calling you to, or maybe the Holy Spirit this morning has highlighted something in your life 
before we leave this place, can we make room for the Holy Spirit to do something in our lives, to move in our lives? Because can I tell you, the enemy doesn't mind that you're here today. The enemy doesn't even mind that you've, you've heard what I've said. What the enemy minds, if you leave here changed, If you want freedom in Jesus' name, I want you to know you don't have to go home the same way you came in. You don't have to think the same way. You don't have to act the same way. We can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, God, we give ourselves to you as a living and holy sacrifice. We present our bodies to you we present our minds to you. We surrender every area of our life that is out of alignment with your word. That area where we've been holding back, we surrender that to you this morning. Today, Lord, we lift up every individual here and everyone who is listening online and we pray right now that in the name of Jesus, you would have a holy boldness, courage to surrender to every area of your life that you've been holding back. Even right now, maybe picture that area that you know that you need to ask for forgiveness. Even put your hands out in front of you like you're holding that thing. The scripture says, if we confess your sin, if you confess your sin, he is faithful, 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 and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So Lord, we ask you to forgive us. We surrender that area of our lives that we've been holding back. We surrender to you, God. We give it to you, every attitude, every action, every little hidden thing in our lives, every wrong relationship, everything that is not of you, we give it to you right now in the name of Jesus. And we say we no longer want to carry it. We hand it over to you. I pray for freedom in the name of Jesus. I pray that we are people who walk in holiness that we are a people that don't just have the Holy Spirit in us, but that you rest upon us. And I pray that we encounter you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.